daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week, in fact, in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And the leader of this great nation is over in uh, Europe. He just uh, met with the Prime Minister of Great Britain. He met with uh, His Majesty King Charles III. Doesn't that sound strange to say, King Charles III? Well, he, he is the monarch of uh, England, the most respected royal family in the world. There's another royal family over in Russia. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean the one from uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, some revelations about the private mansion, palace, of Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, the leader of the failed coup, the uh, attempt by the Wagner Group to uh, perhaps unseat the Putin regime. Uh, we will bring you that information. There's also terrifying information from Gordon Chang, who's going to be speaking to us. And it's one of those things that you think, well, wait, 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 this has got, got to be a little bit alarmist. But it's for real, and it comes from a very respected foreign policy research operation, the Gatestone Institute. And it's about the saboteurs who are coming in by their thousands through the southern border. But they're not Latin American, they're Chinese. And they could do tremendous damage to U.S. infrastructure and military resources and more if they continue to come. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, who will also be at that NATO meeting, even though Ukraine is not yet a member of NATO. Should it be? Will it be? Uh, he basically comments uh, to American media about the claim by President Trump that he could end this war in 24 hours if only the American people would elect him to another term. And speaking of which, uh, alarmism a little bit from uh, some Republican strategists and political operators, alarmism because of the increasing loss of younger voters who are a very big chunk of the electorate and more and more and more and more partially responding to the Supreme Court they seem to be going over to the Democratic side. Uh, we will also talk to the idea about a Florida requirement by the Republican Party. If you want your name on the ballot in Florida and the primary there, apparently you've got to make a loyalty pledge and say that you will support the nominee of the Republican Party. Would either DeSantis or Trump actually take that pledge and if they don't and they don't get on the ballot in Florida what does that mean and uh, then the question about is Russia a friend or ally of the United States a stunning new poll on that issue which uh, we will get to we'll also be speaking to Gordon Chang and to Lee Drutman later in the show he's a senior fellow at New America who says the two-party system that we have expecting a nomination of Joe Biden 
and a nomination of Donald Trump is just broken beyond belief. And what we need is not new candidates. We need whole new parties and more of them, better parties. Uh, the case for a, a multi-party democracy reform also coming up on this edition of the Medved Show. Uh, first up, uh, on the president and his uh, trip to Europe for the uh, NATO summit meeting, which uh, is going to be followed by a major address, which uh, I assume will probably get live coverage by President Biden. At uh, That'll be taking place on Wednesday and talking about where we are going in terms of the uh, of. Uh, the ongoing war, uh, be getting ready to go over to Europe. Uh, Joe Biden went on uh, CNN with uh, Fareed Zakaria, the leading foreign policy expert among CNN hosts, at least. And uh, Fareed Zakaria was, well, I, I think you would say he was a little bit... Uh, just infatuated with Joe Biden. No, it's it's extraordinary. Uh, listen, this is clip 14. You've often said when people ask you about your uh, age, uh, just watch me. And I think a lot of people do watch you and are impressed and they think you've been a great president. Uh, you've brought the economy back. Uh, you've restored relations with the world. But many of these people do say, and these are ardent supporters of yours, the next thing he should do is step aside and let another generation of Democrats take the baton. Why are they wrong? Uh, well, let me say, not right or wrong. Uh, it's, uh, look, to use the phrase again, I think we're at an inflection point. I think the world is changing, and I think I, uh, there is one thing that comes with age, if you've been honest about it your whole life, and that is some wisdom. And uh, that wisdom will be on display, on display in uh, in in Europe or not. Uh, on uh, NBC's uh, comment was different from uh, the gushing you had on CNN. On NBC, Chuck Todd uh, was talking about the economic position of the United States and the sense of economic well-being or of economic danger that seems to be overwhelming here among the American public. Uh, they're not uh, feeling all of the joy and glory of Bidenomics, which the president has been trying to push. This is clip 12. The American public is not feeling it. Just 34% of Americans approve of Biden's handling of the economy in a recent AP poll that was released at the end of June. And only 20% of voters believe the nation is on the right track though voters have not felt good about the direction of the country for over a decade. And Biden is trying to persuade voters that the economy is better than they think it is. Okay, which is a very tough situation for him to to handle. And uh, the, the one thing that not only does the world need, not only does the NATO alliance need a Ukrainian victory in uh, in the ongoing war, after 500 days of war, uh, so very much does Joe Biden 
before he even arrives in Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania, where this uh, NATO meeting is going to be held, there were Lithuanians and Ukrainian refugees who got together and they had this chant on the streets of Vilnius. This is clip six. Ukraine NATO now. Let's make all people here who came from other countries make sure that they will hear our really clear message that Ukraine has to be invited officially during this NATO summit in Vilnius. Ukraine NATO now. Slava Ukraini. And uh, then she adds the the word Slava Ukraini the glory to Ukraine. Uh, there's uh, more from uh, uh, President Zelensky, who else is going to be there, and uh, more about why President Biden is not ready to allow Ukraine to join NATO. There also, by the way, is another highly personal attack from the left on President Biden. And it could barely be more personal. It has to do with the fact that he won't acknowledge one of his own grandchildren. Uh, where is he getting trouble on that? From The View and from liberal New York Times columnist Maureen Dowd, who wrote a devastating piece. We will get to all of this and more uh, with Gordon Chang coming up right here on The Medved Show. Well, he's not Batman exactly, but uh, he does fly on Air Force One. Uh, that would be President Biden. He arrived this morning in London, uh, went to 10 Downing Street to meet with the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, who has political problems all his own. He's running very far behind in the polls to the uh, running behind the left-wing Labor Party, alas. Uh, the uh, After meeting with Rishi Sunak, the president uh, traveled to Windsor Castle for a meeting with King Charles III. Uh, later today, he and the king are going to discuss climate issues with philanthropists and investors at Windsor Castle. And then uh, this evening, he will depart London for the NATO summit in Vilnius, which is the capital of Lithuania. It's the most substantial city in the Baltic nations, the three Baltic nations that are key parts of NATO, a former uh, occupied uh, captive nations of the uh, Soviet Union. And uh, Wednesday evening, after two days of talks, President Biden is scheduled to wrap up the summit with what the White House is billing as a major foreign policy address. Uh, I'm not sure where the president is going to be delivering that address. My guess would be the U.S. Embassy, uh, which uh, is 
American soil, actually. Anytime you have an embassy, it's American soil, and there'll be American flags there, and he'll give his foreign policy address. And then he is going uh, on Thursday off to Helsinki, Finland. Finland, the newest member of NATO. It has been accepted as a member of NATO. Sweden has not. And one of the the biggest jobs facing President Biden right now and facing the world is overcoming the objection of uh, Turkey and Hungary, uh, which among the other uh, 28 NATO countries are the only two that are opposed to admitting Sweden, which has a very formidable navy, by the way. And... Uh, uh, it it will go very well for those Nordic leaders meeting in Finland if they settle this matter of Sweden entering NATO, but they certainly are not going to be anywhere close to having Ukraine enter NATO ahead of uh, Sweden. Um, meanwhile, the uh, president was asked about this by Farid Zakaria, and uh, because... Uh, there is such a very strong feeling that part of what this war is about is Ukrainian independence. And the one thing that NATO membership does is it guarantees that uh, they will have the backing of the other member nations of NATO, all of them, if uh, anyone wants to try again to take their territory or to undermine their independence. So this is one of those key issues about what is this war about if, if Ukraine is not allowed to join NATO. And uh, here is President Biden uh, asked clip seven uh, by Fareed Zakaria about membership in NATO for Ukraine. Uh, listen. I don't think it's ready for membership in NATO, but here's the deal. I spent, as you know, a great deal of time trying to hold NATO together because I believe Putin has had an overwhelming objective from the time he launched 185,000 troops in Ukraine. And that was to break NATO. He was confident, in my view, and many of the intelligence community, he was confident he could break NATO. So holding NATO together is really critical. I don't think there is unanimity in NATO about whether or not to bring Ukraine into the NATO family now, at this moment, in the middle of a war. For example, if they did that, then, you know, we, I, and I mean what I say, we're, we're determined to commit every inch of territory that is NATO territory. It's a commitment that we've all made no matter what. If the war is going on, then we're all in the war. You know, we're in war with Russia, if that were the case. So I think we have to lay out a path for the rational path for Russia, for, excuse me, for Ukraine to be able to qualify to get into NATO. And what he's saying is basically once the war is is settled or uh, clearly won, the uh, uh, president was also asked about the cluster bombs that the United States is sending uh, to Ukraine. Uh, a number of people, like Gary Kasparov today, the uh, great uh, Russian dissident, who is a leader of the of a, a a national movement really even though he's here in the United States where he's safe thank God 
national movement against Putinism, uh, the cluster munitions should have been sent even earlier. But now they, they have been sent, and, and Biden spoke about them with Fareed Zakaria, a clip eight. These are weapons that 100 nations ban, including some of our closest NATO allies. Uh, when there was news that the Russians might be using it admittedly against civilians, your then press secretary said this might be the constitute war crimes. What made you uh, change your mind and decide to give them these weapons? Two things, Fred, and it was a very difficult decision on my part. Uh, and by the way, I discussed this with our allies, discussed this with our friends up on the hill. And uh, we're in a situation where Ukraine continues to be brutally attacked across the board by munitions, by these cluster munitions that are have dud rates that are very, very low, I mean, very high, that are dangerous to civilians, number one. Number two, uh, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition that they, they call them 155 millimeter weapons. This is a this is a war relating to munitions, and uh, they're running out of those that ammunition, and we're low on it. So, uh, hence, um, uh, at least there is the support of a former vice president of the United States. Mike Pence, who spoke out as he has before with clarity on this issue of Ukraine and arming Ukraine. Uh, we will we will get to that uh, coming up uh, later in, in the program because there is so much going on uh, about uh, shaping a Republican Party that is prepared for some of the threats in the world. Uh, this is one of those concerns of Gordon Chang. He'll be joining us moments from now. He has written a, an extraordinarily important and extremely alarming piece about Chinese saboteurs coming by the thousands, perhaps as many as 8,000 of them last year, uh, coming into the United States during, and who at uh, the commencement of a war uh, which has been predicted, at least by some of our military, as occurring sometime before 2025, they could do serious sabotage here in this country. So what do we do about it now? Uh, we will be speaking to Gordon Chang, coming right up. On the Michael Medved Show, an honor to have Gordon G. Chang back on our show. And you can always find him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Don't forget the G. He uh, is a senior fellow, among other things, at the Gatestone Institute, an international policy council, which has uh, a number of leading scholars and veterans of foreign policy and national security concerns. And uh, he just wrote a piece for Gatestone that I, let me, uh, uh, Gordon, if you'll pardon me, it's just so gripping at the very beginning, where you ask how many soldiers of Chinese People Liber People's Liberation Army have slipped into the United States across our southern border? Some estimate 5,000, others 10,000. The concern is that on the first day of war in Asia, 
They will take down America's power lines, poison our water reservoirs, assassinate officials, start wildfires, spread pathogens, and create terror by bombing shopping malls and supermarkets. Uh, now, when people talk about war in Asia, we've, we've had American generals, have we not, who have said that uh, we would be at war with China probably sometime in 2025. Uh, do, you, do you believe that that prediction of coming war is, is credible, something we should be concerned about? Well, first of all, it's an honor to be on your show, Michael. And yes, that is credible because it could happen at any time. You're referring to a leaked memo uh, from leaked on January 27th from General Mike Minahan, um, the Air Force's chief of the Air Mobility Command. And he said uh, to uh, members of his command that they need to get ready. And I think that he's absolutely right. Um, China is trying to pick a fight. Um, and right now, at this very moment, they're trying to break apart the Philippines with their vessels at Reed Bank in the South China Sea. Um, this is exceedingly dangerous because China is getting ready for war. And we have uh, very little in the way, actually, very little sense of awareness of how urgent this could be. So there's this horrible mismatch right now. Russia's at war. China's preparing to go to, go to war. And we got a Biden administration that seems oblivious. Okay, in terms of these potential saboteurs, and the title of your piece is China Saboteurs Are Coming to America, uh, how many would you estimate are, is it more than a thousand potential saboteurs who are here in this country already? I think so. Um, there's two groups. There are the sleeper agents that have always been here for quite some time. And then there's also the migrants who are flooding across our China, our southern border. Uh, Michael Yan, the great war correspondent, who's been down at the Darien Gap, that's the um, gap of jungle between Colombia and Panama, he's been reporting packs of males um, between, let's say, 5 and 15. Um, they are of military age. They are unaccompanied by family members. They are pretending not to speak English. And some of them are known to Border Patrol, our Border Patrol, as having links to the Chinese military. Some of them are actually participating in rights that are, are known to be uh, those of the Chinese military, um, because Michael has heard about these in Panama. So we've got to be extremely concerned that they are coming here across our border. We're not tracking them. We're not trying to figure out where they're going once they get into the United States. And I think that they will link up with known uh, sleeper cells. And uh, do, you, do you believe that we have sleeper cells in China? No, we don't. Um, China is a, essentially a totalitarian state now. Um, the sea works there have been decimated. Um, and um, it is just not possible for us to operate in China. Remember, they've got something like 700 million surveillance cameras there. They've got 1.69 billion cell phones. They track the owners of those. They've got cameras in taxis. You put that all together, you've got a, um, a state which knows exactly what's going on, and an American sleeper cell would not survive in that atmosphere. So what do we do? Is, is, there, is the Biden administration doing anything at all to uh, 
guard against this uh, very real danger of domestic saboteurs? Nothing that we know of. Um, and we know that uh, Border Patrol is, is letting in um, these suspicious-looking um, elements and, and not tracking them. So I have to assume that uh, we're doing nothing. And, and that is extremely disturbing because China's taking advantage of that. You know, we have known in the past that um, other countries like Iran have put agents into the United States, but, but they have not been at great numbers. China is now able, for various reasons, to put a large number of saboteurs into the United States. We don't know the exact number. I quoted some numbers in that piece, and I said they sounded high to me. But the point is, whatever they are, the number's increasing because China's continuing to send um, migrants into our country. You know, I think 99.9% of the Chinese migrants who are coming into our country in unprecedented numbers, they are who they say they are. They are just desperate to leave China, um, and we're seeing even middle-class Chinese, because most of the migrants who come across our border, they're, they're middle-class, Michael. They can afford to pay $35,000 a head to the Mexican cartels to get them into the U.S. But in that element, there are sufficient numbers that could cause havoc in the United States, and that's what we've got to be concerned about. Yeah, in other words, you're saying that most of the Chinese, even those who are coming in and entering the country without authorization, uh, are are coming in for the normal reasons, to try to get ahead, make a better life for themselves, because life right now is fairly tough back home in China? Well, yes, and, and the Chinese middle class has basically given up on their country. Not everyone can leave. Um, so not everyone does leave. But you have, for instance, in China, this whole movement among the young of called lying flat. In other words, opting out of society. And we see this in any number of different ways. It's not just the official statistics like unemployment. Like 20.8% of China's young are unemployed. which is, And that's official number, which is obviously going to be underplayed. But we see declining birth rates, um, people not getting married. Um, this is just a sign of extreme pessimism. And we can understand that because the Chinese economy is fast eroding. Uh, property prices are falling. We see the defaults. The economy is hardly robust, not clearly. It's clearly underperforming the official numbers. And so Chinese people for that and, and other reasons just have decided to, you know, mentally bail out of their country, if not physically bail out. The, uh, the, the details that you provide are so chilling and so important. I, I would urge people to go to michaelmedved.com. We have uh, Gordon's most recent piece posted there. And then you can uh, also read at, uh, on his own Twitter account. It's at uh, Gordon G. Chang. His latest, which is China saboteurs are coming to America. There's actually a word on this about the forthcoming danger from the head of NATO. Uh, that would be Jen Stoltenberg. Uh, we will be getting to that in a moment. Uh, Gordon G. Chang is the author of The Coming Collapse of China, God willing, and The Great U.S.-China Tech War. Uh, we will be right back on the Medved Show. Are you feeling tired? Michael Medved Show, thank you. 
<laughs> Governor Schwarzenegger. Uh, the uh, uh, there's a, a new op-ed that was published today by Jen Stoltenberg, who is the Secretary General of NATO, which is getting together to meet uh, in Europe, and he said that quote China in particular is watching to see the price Russia pays or the reward it receives for its aggression in Ukraine uh, leaders in South Korea and Japan are clearly concerned uh, that what was happening in Europe today could happen in Asia tomorrow and it's not just the leaders in South Korea and Japan it's leaders in the Philippines and Australia, which is right there, uh, and uh, particularly what uh, is going on in Taiwan. Um, other news from China, there was a kindergarten attack. Uh, it's an appalling attack. It was with knives, not guns, but uh, six killed uh, and safety concerns sparked, of course, in China. And then the headline about uh, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and her trip to China. Yellen trip aids fragile effort by U.S. China to keep talking. And uh, keeping talking is an, an, important, uh, an important effort, at least. Uh, but so is the effort to provide Ukraine... Uh, with the kind of weapons that they can actually use to continue the counteroffensive, which has gone slowly, but has not gone badly for the cause of Ukraine. Uh, Mike Pence, a candidate for president, former vice president of the United States, member of the House of Representatives, somebody who has met with world leaders, he uh, had this to say about the President Biden's decision to offer the cluster munitions to Ukraine. Clip 11. Look, our interest there is to give the Ukrainian military the means to repel Russian aggression. This is a straight-up Russian invasion. This is not a territorial dispute. Uh, Vladimir Putin is not a genius. Uh, the American people know it's in our interest to give the Ukrainians what they need to stop them there. But Joe Biden's been slow on it. I mean, he just approved the cluster munitions, which the Russians have been using for a year and a half against Ukrainian forces. Uh, but what I heard from President Zelensky is they're still waiting on the 33 Abrams tanks that were promised back in January. Uh, and they're still waiting for U.S. approval to transfer F-16s from one of our NATO allies. Bill, it's just... Uh, Joe Biden, I think, has done a terrible job explaining our national interest. Uh, he's been he's been slow in providing the support. I welcome the cluster munitions, but I saw and heard, uh, and I visited the old front lines uh, in a place called Moshe and and Bucha, just north of Kiev. These Ukrainians have demonstrated their toughness. They can fight and win and repel the Russian invasion. But we got to do a better job getting them what they need. And uh, you'll notice, why did he refer there to the phrase that Vladimir Putin is no genius? Uh, because his opponent in the uh, race for the Republican nomination, one of his many, many, many opponents, is Donald Trump, who has said repeatedly that he believes that, that, uh, that President Putin is a genius. And, uh, and, and again... Belief in uh, the 
ingenuity, the genius status of Vladimir Putin is like belief in, in the idea that Donald Trump could simply end the war in 24 hours. Uh, this is Mike Pence with his comment on that, clip five. My former running mate likes to talk about solving it in a day. The, the only way you'd solve this war in a day is if you gave Vladimir Putin what he wanted. And I, I, I got to tell you, they're all meeting in Vilnius in Lithuania, Bill, this week for NATO. And I got to tell you, if I really believe, and I've met Vladimir Putin, I've looked him right in the eye, I would tell you, if Vladimir Putin overruns Ukraine, if he simply wears down the United States in the West, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to cross the border, maybe Lithuania itself, or Estonia, or Latvia, or the countries in the Baltics. And those would be countries where we'd have to send our, our armed forces to go and fight under our NATO treaty. Uh -huh. and so I, I, think, I think it's in the interest of our country to give them what they need, to stop them there, repel them there. And make no mistake about it, Bill, I think this is the most, the most effective way to send a message to China uh, that uh, America and the West will not tolerate uh, military aggression by Russia or by China to redraw international so lines by force. Okay, uh, this is goes along with one of the reasons that it is idiocy when there are Republican candidates for president. Uh, one of them is Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, and and one of them is uh, is Ron DeSantis, who is extremely uh, uncertain about is this a territorial dispute. Uh, is this something uh, which is worth fighting for? Uh, and basically, the idea about ending the war quickly, you can end wars very quickly if you surrender. And that seems to be what some voices in the isolationist wing of the Republican Party are saying. President Zelensky, who was going to be speaking at uh, NATO, was interviewed by Martha Raddatz, and he was asked to respond to President Trump's claim that the war could be ended uh, easily in 24 hours if he's elected to the White House. Uh, this is President Zelensky through a translator. Listen, clip Donald 13. Trump says he would end the war in 24 hours if he was elected president. It seems to me that the sole desire to bring the war to an end is beautiful. But this desire should be based on some real-life experience. Well, it looks as if Donald Trump had already these 24 hours once in his time. We were at war. Not a full-scale war, but we were at war. And as I assume, he had that time at his disposal. But he must have had some other priorities. If we are talking about ending the war at the cost of Ukraine, in other words, to make us give up our territories, well, I think in this way Biden could have brought it to an end even in five minutes. But we would not agree. <laughs> Again, uh, remember, of course, Zelensky was a comedian uh, before he became a leading statesman in the world. He also said in the same interview uh, about whether he was asked, is Ukraine receiving enough aid from the United States? 
He said, when it comes to the word enough, well, we Ukrainians are not people known for excessive appetites, he said. Our victory is enough for us. Honestly, when we have enough for our victory, then it will be enough. Uh, th there's even uh, a, a word against the war from John Kerry. Why? Well, we'll let uh, the uh, special ambassador on climate change speak for himself. This is clip two. Lots of parts of the world are exacerbating the problem right now. But when you have bombs going off and you have damage to septic tanks or to power centers, etc., you have an enormous release of, uh, of greenhouse gas, of methane, of, you know, all of the family of greenhouse gases. And the result is it's adding uh, to the problem. I'm not, you know, believe me, that's uh, the fight in Ukraine is a fight that we have to make, that the world has to make. The values at stake are enormously important to all of us. So I'm not suggesting by any fashion that, that you, this is not a fight we shouldn't be involved in. But I am saying that there are ancillary impacts as a result of it. Lots of parts of the world are exacerbating the problem right now. But when you have bombs going off and you have damage to septic tanks or to power centers, etc., you have an enormous release of, uh, of greenhouse gas, of methane. Okay, uh, there's always an enormous release of gas when uh, John Kerry has something to say. Uh, look, he's right about the importance of the war. Uh, but the idea that the war is important only because of its impact on climate change... What about the impact on the American two-party system? That system is broken beyond repair, says Lee Drutman. He believes it's time for more parties, better parties, and a better U.S. political system. We'll talk to Lee Drutman in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.